Hello, hello, everyone. Welcome to day one of the Daniel Audio Devotional. Chad Inman here. I'm so glad to be joining you today, and I am so, so glad that the book of Daniel does not begin with the genealogy. Instead, today's reading will give us some historical context for the book of Daniel, which I will then uh, build on a little bit. So let's get into it. Today's reading is Daniel 1, verses 1 through 5, and I will be reading from the New Living Translation. During the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign in Judah, King Nebuchadnezzar of Babylon came to Jerusalem and besieged it. The Lord gave him victory over King Jehoiakim of Judah and permitted him to take some of the sacred objects from the temple of God. So Nebuchadnezzar took them back to the land of Babylonia and placed them in the treasure house of his God. Then the king ordered Eshpenaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, he said. Make sure they are well-versed in every branch of learning, are gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and are suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for three years, and then they would enter into the royal service. So we could discuss a lot of historical context for this passage and the book of Daniel at large, uh, but Steve Durr did a great job of covering a lot of that information in his teaching during the gathering two Sundays ago. And if you missed it, I strongly encourage you to find it uh, on the church website. So today we are just going to briefly visit what was contextually going on. So, going back a couple hundred years, in 930 BC, the kingdom of Israel split. The northern kingdom, consisting of 10 out of the 12 tribes of Israel, became known as Israel, and the southern kingdom was called Judah. In 722 BC, Israel fell to the Assyrian Empire. Most of the Israelites were relocated to Assyria, and those who stayed intermarried and adopted the religions and customs of other people groups that were sent by Assyria to inhabit Samaria. Uh, If you're familiar with uh, some of the stories about Jesus, this group's descendants would have been known as uh, the Samaritans in Jesus' time. And the Jews of Jesus' day were descendants of Judah. So the tension between these two groups begins to make some sense given that history. So the book of Daniel opens up during the third year of King Jehoiakim's reign, which is 605 BC. Uh, It describes what would have been the first of three Babylonian invasions of Judah, the final taking place in 586 BC. In another Old Testament book of the Bible, 2 Kings, in the 23rd chapter, King Jehoiakim is described as a king who did evil in God's eyes. And so God allows him and his people to be defeated by the Babylonians. King Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, asserts his dominance by taking sacred items from the temple and placing them in the Babylonian worship place or palace. The author points out that this is only possible because God allows it to happen. Nebuchadnezzar also has the influential people of Judah brought to Babylon Babylon, as captives. This was done in large part for assimilation. 
He takes it a step further by having the best and brightest young men brought to his, into his palace. They entered a three-year education program and were given the same food as the king. So that's the opening, guys. Um, I don't want to give any spoilers, so I will just say this. Nebuchadnezzar is doing everything he can to absorb the people of Judah into the Babylon culture and way of life. And given the way they have already floundered before the invasion, there is no reason, no reason to think that God's message and his method, the chosen people, would prevail. It's going to be interesting to watch as the story unfolds. And that's all I'm going to say about that. But there is one other thing I feel led to address. What do we do with the second verse, which states that God gave a pagan ruler victory over his people? This highlights uh, an important question that needs to be asked. How do we understand God's role in the painful things that happen to us, our loved ones, and the world at large? I think sometimes Jesus' followers are too quick to assume that the crummy things that happen are God's will. One issue that I have with this is that it often causes us to miss a chance to show care and empathy with those who are going through something difficult. It can also paint uh, God in a way that honestly just isn't that appealing. So to me, this situation, the situation described in today's passage and the challenging things that we face in our context should be viewed in an and situation instead of an either or. So God is gracious, merciful, and loving, and there are painful, unavoidable consequences for sin and the overall fallen state of our world. This is not only a more helpful way to view these situations, but is also a sound viewpoint. Consider the story of creation and humanity's original relationship with the world found in the first two chapters of the book of Genesis. Add to this what the book of Revelation says God's ultimate plan is for his creation. In the 21st chapter, beginning in verse 3, it says, God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. Look, if God's will is, to end, is the end of sadness, fear, pain, and death, then it's illogical to say that it's God's will when these things happen, or things happen that cause these very things in the world. So how do we interpret the words of today's readings? What do we, what do, we do with all the crappy things we see happening around us? I believe, again... This is an and situation. The painful things that happen in this world are a result of sin and the fallen state of the world. And God is not done working. So God works and moves in the middle of the junk because God is good. As the story told in the book of Daniel continues to unfold, God's working will become clear. And as I reflect on the challenging times in my own life and the, in the lives of others around me, I can often see similar workings. Let's pray. Lord, I thank you for the opportunity to come together 
and explore the portion of your big story found in the book of Daniel. May it resonate with us and help us to see your work in our lives today. When we feel hopeless, restore our hope in who you are. Reaffirm our strength and hope that are found in you and not in what we see. Remind us of your faithfulness and to not lose hope of your goodness, provision, and sovereignty. Revive our hope in you to inspire, encourage, comfort, and restore all that has been lost and broken. In your son's name, amen. Thanks, guys. Have a great day.